Welcome to the Top of the Heat podcast. I'm your host, Maxwell Lacey, and on this show, we will discuss the good, the bad, and even the in-between of all those topics you didn't know you were interested in, all brought to you in a concise top four list. If you're not familiar with the show, it's structured in a top four format. As all good top fours do, we'll start with number four and work our way to the top. In between picks number three and number two, we have a spot we like to call this the stain slot. This isn't necessarily the worst in its category, but it's something that we feel like garners too much respect. It's a little overrated and generally leaves a stain on the rest of the category. So without any further ado, let's get straight into the episode. So welcome to the show. I'm here with a former teammate, horror aficionado, and very good friend, Jacob Haynes. Welcome to the show, Jake. How's it going? Oh, it's going pretty good, Max. Thank you for having me on. Uh, My pleasure. So I thought to myself, you know, horror movies, horror movie villains, and who else to discuss that with than Jake Haynes? The biggest villain you know, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If you're not familiar, uh, listeners, with Jake, we wrestled together at Wheeling Jesuit, had many conversations about many different forms of media, whether that be comic books, um, books in general, movies, and as of recent, as I've gotten into some horror movies, the horror movie genre. So without any further ado, Jake, I just told you the category for this week is the top four horror movie villains of all time, and I think we should just jump right into number four. All right. So you being the guest, go right ahead, my friend. Uh, my number four is the biggest slasher villain from my favorite movie of all time, which is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, Leatherface. There are a couple reasons for that. One is that Leatherface is really the only slasher villain that like scares me, that the idea of being attacked by this guy terrifies me. And I don't know if it's just because he can run or his attitude or the way he does it, but like... Mm -hmm. The, like, the idea of me seeing Jason, I don't know, like, what it is, but just seeing him standing there, I'm like, this is, you know, obviously, I'd be, it'd be more scary. He has a machete and everything, but I'm yeah. like, oh, this, is, <laughs> this is fine. But, like, Leatherface sprinting out of the woods and going, I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. And, like, I just take off running. Like, there'd be no fight any it just be flight and i would just be running as fast as i could and the worst part is he's got great cardio he does not stop running ever and like i need to learn his routine maybe i should just start waving a chainsaw while i'm running and see if that'll really get me up to where i need to be athletically but he he don't ever stop he only stops uh he gets his leg hit by a chainsaw and he limps after and another is when he crosses a line that he's not supposed to go to. He's not allowed to leave the family property. What's crazy uh, about Texas Chainsaw Massacre is because it's actually a movie I've never seen, but it was a movie that was, I guess, so violent. And yeah. when I was young, I remember hearing about it as if the movie itself was a legend. They were like, oh, the other day we were at so-and-so's house and we watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And in my head, I remember thinking like, Dang, these guys are hardcore. They're out here watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That must be the scariest movie of all time. It has Chainsaw Massacre in the title. Yeah, so that that's funny. I won't go too long on this. I have, I have a bad habit of tangents, and, and I, I want to not, not do that too much. But uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the 1974 one, is like that. But a lot of it is all implication. Like, it, it is... It is an incredibly well-made movie to the point where, like, like a lot of horror critics hate horror. They will... That, there's actually another movie 
there. I'm going to be able to cipher that. But, like, they hate it. They hate horror. And they, they want to trounce it. And then finally, like, Roger Ebert, who is notorious for hating horror, was just like, this is an incredibly well-made movie. But why did they want to make it? And, yeah. like, like so the, the movie was so broke. Like, this is one of the things I love about it is that everything that's a limitation just now the more it goes on the more it's better so like the mm. cheaper it looks the more dated it looks the more it looks like you're watching a documentary yeah, like, yeah. Uh, and even there like they didn't have enough money for blood so i think there's like like maybe a gallon of fake blood in the whole movie and for the most part you see like the implication of it so it'll yeah. like cut away and those type of cuts are the same thing that like alfred hitchcock uses in psycho and like those things so it's really hated for being well done so it is horrific and violent i i feel bad this this girl was being really nice and wanted to get to know me better and she asked she wanted to watch my favorite movie and i told her (laughs) she texted me and she was like the hook she got put on a hook and i was like yeah and i'm trying to like give her the fun facts about it and she was like the hook jake and i went oh oh you're traumatized my bad <laughs> i mean it's it's definitely hardcore it, it's more oh, hardcore yeah. than my number four my <laughs> number four i had chucky from child's play mm-hmm. i don't know if this is so much because i saw it when i was young and it just scared mm. the shit out of me yeah yeah but even after catching it on i was tbs or amc a couple years ago the original child's play yeah yeah thinking back to it it's Anytime when you mix something horrible with something associated with a child, I think yeah. it's probably a trope in horror, but yeah. it, but it, it, it made it more scary for me. And, and looking back on it, Chucky was like especially sadistic at some times because it, it, yeah. it didn't seem like he just killed and it was on to the next. It was he kind of reveled in the act of killing, which made it yeah. a lot darker. And not, not to mention that horror movies for me a lot of times i think if i was in that situation how realistic is it that the police would believe me when i tell them the story yeah and, and in that yeah. one specifically not very realistic which makes it scarier for me to think that oh this possessed doll who's possessed by yeah. a serial killer is now off killing people you know essentially framing others for it and can't even be killed really through traditional mortal ways yeah, and, and there's not much that can be done about it, which yeah. makes the problem that much bigger and more real, for lack of yes. a better term, for me. Yeah. Um. If I if, would you mind if I made a comment on your on no, your number go, four? Go Just right ahead, it, okay. man. Go right ahead. Yeah. Um. One one scene that I'm thinking of in particular to bases what you said. And it's it's a good horror writing thing. Uh, horror writing, probably writing in general, but horror specifically, you want to take your time. Uh, the biggest mistake I see whenever a student or a you know just a friend who's not used to horror they're uncomfortable with it they want it to be really fast they want to get it done with because they're not comfortable with it they're like mm-hmm. you know it's the equivalent of me going bah scary monster and like yeah. that's not nothing wrong like i'm not here to dunk on these people but clearly that's just because like but you want to take your time you want to be horrifying so like you said he revels in it there's a scene crawling and that's that's what's horrifying you know like he's sure chucky jumping out like makes you jump but what's really scary is this he's hiding in any corner you have no clue where he's coming. He's scurrying, which is one of the most terrifying sounds you're ever going to hear yeah. in your life. And, <laughs> and and so you have this thing happening where this guy is alone. He's it, it, in his house, but as far as he's concerned, it's a field. 
yeah. you know, he's in the wide open and there's a predator just coming slowly and slash, slash, slash. And that's what's scary. And then that leads you to the big finish of when Chucky finally kills him, the, the money shot, you yeah. know, but it's that, that, that revelry, that time spent there that really makes it more so. So, yes. Awesome. That makes uh, me feel like I had an okay number four. You know, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not super well versed in these, but hearing you yeah. say that, that makes me feel good. So, oh, yeah. I mean, go ahead. Chuck, Chuck, yeah, Chucky's also, you know, out of the slasher villains. He he's basically it's him and Freddy Krueger, the only two that have personality and talk. Like I remember, and that's always fun. Like Chucky, Chucky is a really fun and compelling one. So yeah, no, I think you had a great choice nice. uh, as far as I'm concerned. Thank you. Hopefully, the people agree. Next, let's go ahead and let's hear your number three. Who's in the number three spot, Jake? This is uh, Frankenstein's monster from the Universal Classic Monsters trilogy. That would have been from Frankenstein 1931 to the 40s. I don't remember when Abbott Costello meet Dracula came out. But uh, from that era... Uh, that's the one. Uh, but the one I recommend the most are the uh, the the Boris Karloff three, which were Fra- Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, Son of Frankenstein. That's where Boris Karloff played him. One of the reasons is I had to represent the Universal Classic Monsters because I love them. I grew up on them. Mm-hmm. But the other is just one of the biggest things about them and that you still see is that is a monster that is both scary and sympathetic. Yeah. And it's probably the perfect one. Is It's the most popular. I, you know, the Wolfman's also great, but I, I really just could not pick Frankenstein. And you see him, uh, even in the way he's portrayed, he's basically a newborn. And from his birth, from his creation, he's shunned and abused. And finally, when he he's then attacked by his father, he's abandoned immediately. Uh, and, you know, Frankenstein as his father is more of a philosophical question, but... You know, I, I'm going to go with it. I'm just going to lean into it that it is his father. And so he abandons him to be torn apart surgically until he wakes up. And then when he escapes, he's playing with a little girl. And the reason he, he accidentally kills her by drowning her because he doesn't understand what he's doing. They're tossing flowers into a river. And he's like, this is fun. This is fun. And so he throws her in the river and then she can't swim and he panics and he can't. He has no idea what's going on. So he takes off. So, I mean, he's he he's killing, but it's not like, like, yeah, it's his fault. Like, I'm not going to say, you know, negligent homicide is a real thing. Like, yeah, but he doesn't understand. And then the more he goes on, the more he's hunted and crucified and beaten and specifically in son of frankenstein igor played by bella lugosi comes in and he's like i'm your only friend i'm the only guy you're ever gonna have and he uses him to get revenge on the people that uh you know sentence him to hang you know the whole time he has no idea he's he's basically only a few years old and that's how he operates Uh, and there's just so many iconic scenes of that isolation and and one that i really like is in son of frankenstein there's a part where he sees a mirror and it's his first time ever he's never seen a reflection so like you've ever seen like an ape or an animal see a reflection for the first time Mm -hmm. and at first he starts to like attack the mirror and then he starts to realize this is him and he kind of gets upset and it's it's really interesting to see him you know as one son of frankenstein meeting another uh, so yeah, that that's what it is. he's the perfect sympathetic but terrifying monster, you know. Definitely, man. That's a good pick, and for good reason too. I think that having a monster with that kind of depth, 
I would imagine mm-hmm. lends itself to good storytelling and like good round storytelling. Mm-hmm. So that sounds legit. I, I was thinking when I was making my list, I'm thinking, man, should I put one of the classic monsters on here? I, I don't know much about them, but I almost feel like it's a shame to not. But I didn't. So I, a lot of people might say my list is new school. Mm-hmm. But I guess we'll see. In my number three spot, I have a monster that's pretty recent. I guess not a monster, mm-hmm. a villain that's pretty recent, but originated from, a, I believe, a Stephen King novel, if I'm correct. It okay. is Pennywise the Clown. Or, oh, okay. And I'm going based off the 2017 movie, just yeah. because if I, if I compare them side by side, the 2017 one just looked more scarier with the makeup. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I chose that one because I thought that it, with the shape-shifting and the general living in the sewer, yeah, it made it scary. But also, this is one of the ones that, yeah, Chucky's a doll, and sometimes dolls are creepy, but the physical appearance of Pennywise is just scary. It's creepy. Yeah. It's menacing. Clowns are scary. Even There's people out there who may like clowns, but... But Mm-mm. I think objectively they could say that the white face paint with the red lipstick and hair, you know, it's yeah, it's a little, it's creepy at times. Not yeah, to mention he's got a bunch of supernatural powers and he can literally become the embodiment of your worst fears. So that's, yeah. I don't want to say insurmountable odds because obviously <laughs> he goes on to be defeated. Sorry if you haven't seen it spoiler alert it's been like four years you had plenty you had plenty of time <laughs> but yes that's why i've got pennywise in the number three spot just yeah creepy and a lot of jump scares in the movie i was doing some yeah. research and people were saying ah it's just a bunch of jump scares and i i noticed that the jump scares came from places that you wouldn't always expect jump scares if, if yeah. that makes sense. You yeah. Know, if I'm walking through a creepy cave and there was reported demon in this cave, now you know there's going to be a jump scare. But if I'm looking in the mirror, something that you might do every day that seems yeah, yeah. mundane and then a jump scare happens, it's a little more like a little yeah. more tension. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I, I liked uh, one of the ways I liked it is when he would draw the kids in by seeming to be friendly, mm-hmm. uh, like Georgie specifically and uh, the little girl in the second one. Uh, and that's when he lures you in nice and close. And then, you know, the jump happens. And, and that's that's satisfying. Like, you know, is it is it the greatest in the world? I'm not going to fight one way or the other. But no, I agree. I think that's a good way to handle jump scares, you know. Uh, it, it, so, yeah, I agree with you on that. Awesome. Pennywise the yeah. Clown in the number three spot. Yeah, so, uh, it's funny. It's funny. Two of your things now. Maybe Maybe this will be the horror that you really like. Do you know what the Uncanny Valley is? I don't. The Uncanny Valley is, I'm going to butcher it. There's going to be a lot of people who know more. So please, you know, comment how I was wrong. But there is this process, especially in robotics, of how you feel about how close something is to human. And so, like, when something, how much you like it. So you'll like it if it's not very human. And then it'll get to a certain point of, like, looking almost human. And then it drops. And that's what's called the valley. And so things that are almost human but not quite are so off-putting and they look wrong to your brain that it's very horrifying so it's oh, like that makes sense 
Yeah, like you ever see like those AI robots that like have fake human skin on them and mm-hmm. their eyes are like up like this and looking around. And you're like, man, that looks really creepy. That's the Uncanny Valley because like they're, they're close to human, but not quite. There is a drop off uh, that you would see and like clowns fall into that a lot that people say because they look human, but not quite. And dolls too. Like that doll look is usually very creepy to people. So I kind of like that that's too... You know, you're kind of finding one of the things that like uh, is a trend for you that you might like. Oh uh, wow! Or... See, I didn't even know that. This is this is yeah. why I'm, this is why I need to have you on the show, man. This is what I'm talking about. This is that discourse I wanted. Awesome, the Uncanny Valley. All right, moving forward, the stain slot. I believe I explained it to you. For people who mm. haven't listened and also skip the intro, I encourage you to listen from the beginning. But also, I will give you a quick breakdown. The stain slot is isn't the worst in its category obviously not the best but it's one that we think is overrated probably has a lot of fans but you think those fans it it has some undue some undue respect mm-hmm. so what do you have who or what do you have in your stain slot All right, so my stain slot is going to be, uh, it's going to take a bit of articulation on my part, but I picked Dracula. Okay. Oh, uh, hot take. Yeah, and the reason, I, I, for the record, I want people to know, I love Dracula. I think a lot of people get Dracula, I don't want to say wrong, but I'm going to, uh, and that's because, like, Dracula is not sympathetic. Like, Dracula, Dracula in the novel is not at all. He is a predator who is a shitty person, and you can you can look at all his techniques, and you can see him in a in a psychology book. You're like, man, this dude fucking sucks. And it's like, yeah, that's all one to one. And there has been this romantic romanticization of him. And I'm not saying if you like this romantic idea of vampires, no, that's fine. That's that's creatively viable. I'm not going to tell you that, but there are a lot of creative problems that always come when you do it. So like specifically Bram Stoker's Dracula from I think 92, uh, which was itself derivative of Dracula. And so it have kind of a film <laughs> film inbreeding. In uh, and it's just, you see it fall apart because Dracula is there to hypnotize women and feed on them. And he meets Mina and it seems like he hypnotizes her. And then it's like, no, you're the reincarnation of my old love. And it's like, okay, and she's horrified by him sometimes and wants to kill him. And then other times she doesn't. And like, I know that that's a real relationship thing, but that's not how it's played in the movie. And yeah. so I'm watching it and it's like, well, is it magic? Is he hypnotizing her? Is it reincarnation? Is she in love with him? Why? What is it? And the reason it doesn't work is because Dracula shouldn't be the good guy. He's not. He, he works better when you're like, yeah, Dracula is this apex evil. And like it's it, it's worked once. Castlevania, the anime, did really, really well with the sympathetic Dracula. But what you see in the first season, I would I would argue is an issue is when you make one of the most charismatic villains, you know, a decent person, you now have to create another villain. And yeah that one usually falls flat because you have this perfect charismatic character and then somebody else is making up this cartoony mustache twirling villain or just something that kind of falls flat and you're like man like this is this is weaker it's it's even worse when they make him vlad tepes so a fun fact uh, bram stoker didn't like know who vlad tepes was he just saw the name dracula and thought it was cool and that's pretty much it and so what kind of happens from there is 
people will be like, oh, well, he was Vlad Tepish and Tepish became Dracula. And so they'll make it that he's the sexy anti-hero. And so, again, they'll make like someone evil or he has to take down. But like, that's such a weird take for a guy who impaled people and ate while they were suffering and screaming. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's, it's like when I watch the Scorpion King and like at the end of the movie, I'm like, I like this guy, but doesn't he become like a monster or something? Like when, when does that happen? <laughs> like these, two, these two characters aren't the same thing. And so, yeah, no, it's a huge fan. I, I have more ideological problems with it because I'm not a huge fan of the take of, yeah, this guy's like the worst, but have you ever thought it from his perspective? Yeah, I know what you mean. I agree on that. Yeah, and it's like it's, it's almost like having your cake and eating it too, which is fine. But if you're gonna do that, why sort of make the movie? You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, like you can't be like, well, yeah, I eat people and I, you know, turn women into the undead and then they eat children. But this one time, like a thousand years ago, I was like really sad. Yeah, that doesn't hit. That's, that's not the same. <laughs> I I agree. You have my full agreement on that one. So I think that's a good stain pick. And I always I love when it, when a stain slot is like a hot take like that. Especially yeah. uh, if any horror aficionados are listening to this and they have Dracula on their their list. Hopefully, oh. they they have now seen. Oh, maybe like seen from another perspective so that's a good one i think i, I hope so, i hope so because a lot of people really love bram stoker's dracula and i i just don't i don't love it i don't have a lot of issues with that movie that's what i'm talking uh, about man those are the takes yeah. i wanted to hear <laughs> my my stain slot isn't as nuanced i don't think and people that know me are gonna say oh that's on brand for him like macho guy and that's not it but it's just a slasher uh actually they have a new Halloween movie coming out. It just came out, right? Um, mm-hmm. So my stain slot for the best villain is Michael Myers from Halloween. Ooh. And I only really say that because, yeah, it's the original Halloween with the opening. Awesome. And after doing some research, I, I learned that this kind of gave birth to that stalk and slash style of mm-hmm. movie which is awesome. I'm all for that. But I don't understand, especially on social media, you see so much Michael Myers content now. It's probably not a coincidence that the movie came out also. However, Mm -hmm. it's just a guy. Am I wrong? Yeah. No, well, uh, yeah, kind of. It's like, in the first movie, it's ambiguous, which I I feel is kind of the best way to handle horror. Um, But yeah, so he like, survives like gunshots and stuff but it's left ambiguous. But yeah, for the most part, he's just, he's just like a guy. So I I get it. And that's what, for me, it's, Oh, there's this guy in a blue jumpsuit with crazy, crazy yeah. hair walking through town, stabbing people. He's just tried to stab me. I ran over here. Oh, yeah. really? He's over there? Yeah, go over there. You'll see him. Someone will yeah. probably go over there and, you know, be able to yeah. at least provide yeah. aid of some sort or at least get killed yeah. before you got killed, which for me yeah. was kind of, eh, I mean, in some people's lives, they've probably had to face way scarier things than someone with a knife. And yeah. so for me, it was nah, just just not really enough. But I know there's a yeah. lot of Michael Myers stands out there. Yeah. So uh, uh, hopefully they like, like, comment, <laughs> unlike, block me, whatever you got to do. <laughs> Let me know if you think my picks are wrong. I I, I can agree with it. I, out of the slasher villains, like, and I, I, I like Michael Myers enough, but like out of them, I think he's kind of the least interesting. And part of that's because he's got the worst franchise i'd argue like 
Oh, like, like what? Like, there's like what? They have like 12 films now, and like three of them are good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and like, that's fine. But I mean, you really see it. Like, John Carpenter never meant to make a sequel, and they made Halloween 2, uh, which I like. Um, but I do agree that it, it changed the series probably for the worst. I've seen that take come up, and I agree with it. And then from then on, I mean, he's just been not great. You know, it's yeah. just he, he's not very compelling. They try really hard to rationalize him. And every time they do that, they take away that thing that was so horrific that in the first movie, this guy was just coming home and murdering babysitters. And you're like, man, what is this thing? Yeah, you know, that's horrifying. Mm -hmm. And like, that's kind of it. That's gone forever now. You know, like it sucks. But like, even now they're like trying to reboot it and good on them. But I do feel like there's a certain level of everybody i think knows the michael myers is laurie strode's brother twist uh spoiler alert for a decades-long franchise uh, <laughs> uh for the for the few people who clicked on a halloween episode because they've never heard of any horror movies before i yeah. guess but and, and you know you never really go back so no i can agree with it like i i like him i, I love seeing him done well but for the most part like he was kind of done really, really well once, and then that's pretty much it. I don't really, I don't care as much for him after that. I think. All right, so for the number two, I wanted to pick something that was very alien. Uh, I don't mean that to be a pun, but it is in, in every sense of the word. And I pick The Thing from John Carpenter's 1982 movie, The Thing. From oh, Love. okay. Uh, and that, there are two things I wanted to do. I wanted to make this kind of a writer-based one, but uh, there's two parts to that. One, monsters are part of their environment. And so, like, like a quick one is the Dullahan is a headless being in uh, Irish folklore. And the reason he's headless is because, like, Celtic people, I believe, I could be wrong, I'm not, I'm not an expert, believe that your soul was in your head so being decapitated was a far more egregious crime you know uh -huh. that it, that it was you know oh, wow. dealing with your head so here it's soulless you know it there's a reason and specifically here the thing attacks in cold settings uh and that's very important because part of the thing that a lot of creatures of the cold do is they're designed to make you be together yeah. that being together is how you do it because if you're oh, by wow. yourself and isolated you die. Yeah. You, you, you have to stick together in the cold, harsh environment. Otherwise, you don't exist. And that's kind of what the thing really does is he makes them paranoid. They have to stick together. But that paranoia, that isolation, that horror that anybody could be the thing and you have no idea and you're turning against everybody at all times. He really becomes this ultimate enemy. And again, it's not human, like, at all. You don't know what he looks like, and he turns into this horrific monstrosities that don't resemble humanity at all. They become these twisted, nightmarish figures. It's horrifying in every sense of the word. Uh, and real quick, uh, before I turn it over to Max, the other part that I really liked was in writing, not every time, you can definitely write a compelling villain like this, but you, you kind of want your villain to be in some way philosophically opposed like like a like a mirrored opposite to your hero so like in moana the the crab mon disney is a great way to look at writing just because it's usually very formulaic but in the best way like they know how to make successful you know media so they repeat it so the crab is about outlook like what i look like on the inside versus moana whose journey is to find who she is on the inside 
And so these people have to stay together, but the thing literally cannot because each individual cell is alive. And that's why if you watch the film, that's why the fire test works Mm -hmm. because every single cell is an independent living creature. And, you know, instead, if you try to get the fire too close to it, it'll hop away, revealing who's the thing. It can't take, you know, for the greater good or for a greater purpose. Every living thing is completely isolated in there. And so that that's this interesting part that it, it goes against humanity because of how individual it is. Uh, so. So, yeah, I, I like the thing. And also, again, it, it is cool to have enemies that are not, you know, big humans or big animals. This is just something completely other. So it, it's a it's a fascinating creature all the way around. Nice. That's a good one. And for good reasoning, when you first opened and you said, I wanted to pick something alien, I thought we were going to have the same one. Not necessarily to give away my number two, uh-huh. but in my number two slot, I have a creature that, Again, people might say, oh, that's on brand for Maxwell. It's big and strong, fast and scary. I, I don't care. Maybe maybe, maybe it is on brand for me, but hey, that, that's just the way it is. So in the number two spot, I've got the Xenomorph from Alien, yeah. the original Alien. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'll tell you why. Because, like I said, it's faster, it was stronger, it, it hid better. And uh-huh. what I thought was super scary was off the jump essentially mm-hmm. it it demonstrates its ability to reproduce and grow in in numbers in yep. somewhat rapid succession mm-hmm. which almost lends like makes you believe oh is there any way i would ever possibly exterminate all of these things is that even feasible mm-hmm. like yeah so that's scary not to mention there's no context for dealing with aliens. We yeah. humans now have no context for it. If it's a slasher, you know, a human can die through these methods. If it's yeah. a big, scary dog, same sort of thing. Even certain kinds of paranormal ghosts, well, I'm going to just get yeah. a priest in here and hope to exercise it, you know. But this alien yeah. that had no history or, or, you know, there's no map to yeah, yeah, yeah. defend yourself from it. Not to mention has acid blood. Yeah. And... It's almost original revealing scene where it shoots out of this person's chest is just such a great, scary scene. Mm-hmm. So for that reason, I put in number two. I, I oh. just think it would be incredibly hard to defend yourself against. If there was an alien like that in real life, we'd probably all be at risk of being taken over until we could realize how to actually mm. defeat the thing. So. Oh, I, I actually, I, I highly agree. I think that was phenomenal. I, I, I didn't even think of the, the xenomorph while putting this together, which is on me. Because, no, I think you knocked it out of the park. And uh, uh, there are two things. One, Max, have you ever read Junji Ito? I have uh, his, his manga. So he's a Japanese manga horror artist, and he's very good at that. Like, how you said, like, you have no frame of reference for how to challenge this thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, like, you're somebody who has hand-to-hand combat experience on different levels. And so, you know, a guy coming at you with a knife is something that I'm not going to say that you obviously defend it, you know, uh, but you have a better chance than maybe someone who has no training. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Junji Ito is very good at creating these creatures that don't have rules. So, like, a vampire has rules. Werewolf has rules. And he'll create these nightmarish monstrosities. And you're like, I don't even know what this is, let alone what I can do to combat it. And yeah. so... So I, I highly recommend that to you and anybody. There's not a lot of great horror in comics that I would say uh, that I that I noticed. If you guys know, like you know, please sound off in the comments and everything. But 
that he's he's one of the big names. Uh, and two, like as as a writing thing, there there are two ways in which he's great. But one is just it's phenomenal world building. So like I said earlier, like monsters don't come out of nowhere. They're part of their environment. They're part of the culture that made them. Like mm-hmm. they fit into that world, whether it's a perversion. So like if it's cold, but it, it doesn't, it's very skinny and it doesn't wear any fur or anything. That's, that's scary because it's so off-putting. Yeah. But here you see a lot of, and, and I'm really interested in this because I really love evolution. Uh, and, and so it's neat as a writing thing, creating a creature that has evolved. And so like, like, like you can create a creature and it's just cool. That's fine. Nobody can take that away from you, but it does, that does just stop there versus the Xenomorph has been intricately thought out for a purpose. It's evolved over time. And so like the reason the face hugger wraps around you, the reason they have acid for blood is so if you try to cut off the face hugger, you oh, burn yeah. to death. Mm-hmm. It, it stops you from doing that. Yeah. So it, it's it's literally to ensure its survival. It has evolved to do. There's a purpose. Do you see what I'm getting? Yeah, at? definitely. It's layers, and the man. other, yeah, no, and the other is that reproduction thing. Everything about its design is very phallic. It's it's all very sexual, and that that's all very um in there. So like the the egg opening up was supposed to be symbolic of like the you know vagina flowers that you see in paintings like the the flowers that are symbolic of vaginas and it's all this birth and it's you know it's putting all that that sexual energy and you know all that stuff in there so it's this very horrific and it you know it kind of puts that uh more you know far smart people than me have pointed this out but it, it shows you know it makes men pregnant you know, because all the people who get in that movie who get infected by a thing, they were men. And that's, you know, horrifying yeah, the definitely. way that this all works out, bursts out your stomach, you know. And not to mention, so, just yeah. at base level, terrible way to go. Yeah, you know I mean, yeah. We, <laughs> we can agree on the terrible way to go out. All right, moving on to the gold medal position, the top number one spot. The reason I only do a top four is because wrestling tournaments are at the Olympic Games. The fifth place doesn't get a medal. Top four get a medal. So this is the gold medal. Yeah. Who do you have or what do you have in your number one spot, Jake? <laughs> this just made me think of how cool it would be to watch Leatherface running through the, the rep bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my number one spot is Annie Wilkes um, from Misery. Uh, I think that's 1990. Kathy Bates knocks out of the park. She's horrifying. And one of the things about it for me to like, there are a couple one as somebody who wants to be a creator on some level, Annie Wilkes is terrifying to me. So for those of you who don't know, misery is about an author who gets into a snow crash and he is saved from dying or not snow crash. He crashes his car in a snowstorm and he is saved by an obsessive fan who starts off just kind of quirky like you know this mom you know that one girl's mom yeah. <laughs> like she says weird stuff and you're like oh that's kind of weird and then like one day you're all hanging out and she like freaks out about something and you're like i don't want to hang out with them anymore so that's annie but paul she's a huge fan of paul's novels that he hates doing and so when she gets the newest book and realizes he kills him out she freaks out and she's made it clear that she's kidnapped him She's, he's never getting out. He has broken legs. In the novel, I think in the movie too, she, she gives him pain pills, so he's actually addicted to stay with her. And she is going off the hinges. And like watching, even like now, I can watch the movie and knowing, you know, when she attacks and when she doesn't, 
watching her just get ramped up makes me nervous in a way that like other films are like because there's a lot of films I rewatch and I go I know nothing happens here you know I, and but that doesn't do it she just terrifies me and like a- Annie is so human like in the literal sense but also in just like so if it, it, a lot of people if you have made any kind of content for a while you might have had fans and you know a lot of fans are great this is not me crap Tapping on all fans, you know, uh, a lot of us are very thankful, but there are some very toxic and possessive ones who believe they own you because they like your stuff. Or alternatively, they have the, the idea of parasocial relationships where they have invented this you in their head that they're madly in love with, but they've never met you. You know, like I know that sorry to get trippy on your on your uh, recording, Max, but like anybody listening to us like you don't know us this isn't even real this is a recording of vibrations that we've converted electronically back into vibrations i'm not real this is a recording you know Mm -hmm. like like no one no one listening to this can be like no jake it's not and i'd be like well damn i heard you no like that's not what's happening here and you see that same thing and like uh bayard king was the original writer of the novel and he had talked about you know this book coming after he tried to write fantasy uh, and it was a good book. Uh, it got very well reviews, but it sold poorly because his fans said, well, we, you're a horror writer. And he goes, I'm not any kind of writer. I, I just write what I like. You called me a horror writer, but people felt very entitled and they didn't want to measure the book on it. They were just mad. They did. He didn't do what they wanted to do. And he's like, you don't own me, you know? And like, she, she's that kind of person too, who like, she hates swearing. You know, like she'll yell at you for swearing, but she murders babies. She used yeah. to be a nurse. It's like, you know what I mean? Like that crazy, just off the wall, like, yeah. Yeah. Whole nother and as level. Long, yeah, as long as she can rationalize it in her head, which people can do, you know, it's okay. Mm-hmm. And that's horrifying because, like, you're like, oh, I can talk to her, but you really, you can't. And that's what's really scary that, like, sure, you can try. You know, but you you know, if you have you ever tried to meet common ground with somebody who's just not listening to you and just not budging and you're just kinda like, Well, there's nothing here. I yeah. can't gain anything. Might, yeah, might as well be done. It's like it's like that, but now you're strapped to their bed while they you know, put a block between your legs and wield a sledgehammer. Yeah. Um if you guys haven't seen that scene, that's probably one of the most intense horror scenes ever, the the uh hobbling scene. Uh, so I I highly recommend Annie Wilkes. She is horrifying. <laughs> Dang, nice, nice. I like that. Yeah. One. I like that. It's not typical. Mine is gonna be, I guess, more typical. Just like I said a number of times, haven't seen a bunch of horror movies, but this one, in my number one spot, was one that I thought would be the most difficult to handle mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. Also, I don't. I think no one would really believe you. And that is yeah. Samara Morgan, or The Curse of Samara Morgan, better known as oh, The Girl from the Ring. Okay. Because If yeah. you're not familiar with The Ring, essentially there's like a curse videotape who's, to where if you touch it or watch it, you'll die in seven days. So we get a phone call that says you have seven days left to live. And in the beginning, everyone thinks that if someone were to call yeah. me and tell me I have seven days to live, I'm hanging up and talking shit because it was probably yeah. a telemarketer right you know yeah, but yeah 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 people start to drop off and die and it's like this weird paranormal it's almost an entity you know it's but it just has yeah, yeah, tones yeah. that feel super evil just like otherworldly yeah. evil so that for me made it 
just that much more scary because you you'd be spending these seven days you'd be thinking oh every, everything's fine oh but this other person who yeah. watched the tape two days before me he died like how am i gonna go how am i gonna go like mentally unstable for the last seven days of your life with yeah. no ability to try to defend yourself with nobody to talk to no one to understand what's going on no answers you just die just yeah. immediately like that it's just over. yeah yeah and so i thought i mean that itself is pretty scaring just because of the daunting nature of the unknown in that situation yeah hell yeah hell yeah so, yeah. I mean, it's also it, it's also neat because uh, I I don't know uh, how many people know this. I it, you know I, I can't remember when I learned it, but the, the Ring is a remake of uh, uh, a Japanese horror yeah. film. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's another thing that like is so scary is that like you have context in American horror, you know, but mm. you have no context at for all. what goes on in Japan at all. It's you know it's the other side of the world, and that's so scary. Like they might know how to defeat their ghosts, but you don't. You know, it's like, uh, uh, um, it's, it's also kind of like that relativity of, um, uh, have you ever read the book? I am legend. I imagine, you, I imagine you've seen the movie, but, mm, uh, no, I, we did some sort of study on it with Macris in the literature T- <laughs> towards the end. We did, we compare and contrast. I didn't read the whole thing. You know how I roll. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, in, in it, the, uh, the, the zombies, which are called vampires, they they are only affected by like crosses if they were Christian when they died, and uh-huh. so the same thing is that like if they were Jewish, the Star of David would repel them, but not a cross. They wouldn't care. Yeah, and so that's kind of what we mean. Like you know, our ghosts were like, aha, I'll squirt, I'll I'll get a priest and we'll you know quote scripture at you. Yeah. Then you go to Japan, you're quoting scripture, and that's not even a language they speak. Yeah, you know? it's gibberish <laughs> to them. It's still, like, the rules are different. You're yeah. like, oh man. What the fuck is happening here? What is this thing? Definitely. It's it, it after thinking about it and trying to come to some sort of conclusion. Yeah. What I this is what I came up with is that I think it all comes down to the unknown. As humans yeah. in this society, there are tons of unknown variables that we will encounter day after day. One of our best defenses against these unknown factors is preparation. Whether we study yeah. hard, to stay ready for a pop quiz or carry weapons to defend against attackers, we can do our best to have a plan for whenever the unknown shows itself. However, in these horror villains provide us with no warning or time to prepare. They're often too daunting to even begin to try to defend against. And in that, I think, lies the core of what scares us. Not that there is a shape-shifting clown in the area, but the fact that we don't know why, where, or even what they want. Now those circumstances strip us of of our ability to prepare, making the seemingly mundane absolutely terrifying. Well, thank you very much, Jake, for coming on the show. We appreciate the breakdown. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, I'd like happy to be on again, ever, if you need me. Just wanted to give another huge thank you to Jacob Haynes for coming on the show. We appreciate the breakdown and all of the horror movie villain knowledge. As always, if you think I was wrong, if you think the guest was wrong, please let me know in the comments or on Instagram at Top of the Heat Podcast or my personal Instagram at Maxwell Lamar. You can also hit me on Twitter at MLacy underscore the truth. And I encourage you, share this podcast with someone who you know may love horror movies or someone who you think may just enjoy the show. As always, until next time.